Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How would you like to ramp up your club's game day atmosphere? Big Screen Video is giving 10 lucky sports clubs the chance to win a $10,000 grant towards their own digital scoreboard. Register now at iCanWin.com.au slash BSV. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now. What another weekend of action in the Women's Rugby World Cup. The Black Ferns got the job done against Wales while the Aussies snagged their first win in pool play in a tight one over Scotland. But the game of the round has to be England v France, which lived up to the hype as neither team were willing to give an inch. That fierce French defence, though, relented just enough to allow English to extend their undefeated streak to 27 tests and re-establish themselves as tournament favourites. Well, in some peoples at least, to break down the game and more for us as ITV Rugby World Cup commentator Nick Heath, who is over there in the UK. Evening, Nick. Morning to you. Evening. Good morning. How are you? Good. Thank you, mate. Let's talk us through that French taking on the English. There was no love lost. Genuine. Wow. I hate to say it. It's a harsh word, but I hate for each other, mate. What a, what a game. Yeah, absolutely brilliant, wasn't it? And it is that rivalry that has been the real focus for women's rugby fans across the world. We know, obviously, the, the history with the Black Ferns and, and that they are always at the top table. But we've we've had the chance to enjoy England, France, uh, plenty through the Women's Six Nations every every mm. spring up here. Um, they've put in plenty of, uh, of friendlies as well against each other. And they've just driven the standards really high up here in Europe. And uh, I've been over to France commentating on the French quite a lot and uh, and look the red roses record of 27 consecutive wins speaks for itself as well so it was always going to be tight i actually was surprised at how tight it was because the french uh, lost a warm-up game to italy they weren't all that convincing in a second game they had against them uh, the week before uh, they uh, they have just looked a little out of sorts since a couple of coaching changes since the end of the six nations so i i was even hesitating given the english juggernaut that they might put 20 25 points on france but boy Mm. did Le Bleu turn up. It was brilliant. <laughs> hey, Nick, the, the World Cup, are you surprised at the standard of it? And and which other teams that you've watched do you think are, uh, are, are going to challenge the English Roses? 
the standard's been been fantastic, and I actually think that the latest watershed moment in in where teams have gone in terms of their professional outlook and their ability and their skill set has been as much about the preparation time many of the teams have had before arriving in Aotearoa rather than just what they've they've done since they've been on the ground. Because you know England have been professional for for, for a few years now. They had eight weeks together in preparation, which has has never been done before. The Welsh only went professional earlier this year they had plenty of weeks together before they went so actually this familiarity managing to get the strength and conditioning in all those edges that really make a difference at the top level uh have been happening over the sort of end of the summer up here before those teams have gone down so um you know that's why we're seeing an even greater level and so many of these games even where they're finishing a little bit more one-sided at times for the Mm. first 40 the first 60 they're still pretty tight um, as for the other teams that I think are bringing it, I think Canada are very, very quietly going about their business. Um, I called their match against Italy last night uh, here in the UK. And uh, and yeah, while Italy were, were desperate to, to play with all the flair, I think Beatrice Rigoni, the Italian 12, uh, is everybody's second favourite rugby player. She's an absolute baller. Uh, but while Italy <laughs> were trying to play, the Canadians just, you know, gently put the foot on the throat. They went catch and drive. Tosi got two more tries to add to the three she got the week before to be the top try scorer in the comp. And Canada reminded us all why they're four-time semi-finalists. So, so they are, they are, they are, you know, coming along very nicely. So, I, I think uh, my prediction for those semi-finals will be New Zealand, France, England, and Canada. Ooh, well then, give us some little bit of hope with New Zealand down under. We've been getting excited, but if I'm completely honest, the set piece. Worries me. They got obviously exposed yesterday against the Welsh and the rolling more, the scrum, scrum era. So that's going to be a huge concern. But anything that has impressed you with the Black Ferns? Yeah, I think I think their overall attitude. Uh, I think you know, we've had a number of, of women's teams over the course of the last year, 18 months, who have found the power to speak out and, and speak up and make and demand change, call out where the treatment hasn't been fair. And, uh, and the Black Ferns have done it. Canada have done it. Wales have done it. Um, and uh, and that's what we need. We need people to be held accountable because the women's game is growing. Participation is soaring. It's outstripping participation of the amateur men's game in the UK. Um, and yep. so, you know, the Black Ferns managing to do that and get themselves together over the last year, I think has been really impressive. I, I was calling their games when they visited here last November. And, uh, well, look, let's let, let's not uh, remind Forget ourselves that. of it too much. But they <laughs> Or yeah, four pretty big losses. But they handed out fifteen, you know, new caps ultimately, fifteen debutants on that tour. Um, and I'm really impressed with how quickly uh, the Black Ferns have come together. We always know the quality, the basics that you guys do down there so well. Men's and women's rugby is is just another level. So I'm really enjoying what I'm seeing. But I think you're right to look at the set piece because that is the hallmark of the English side. Their catch and drive. Canada mm. is showing they've got that in their armoury as well. So uh, so yeah, I think I think probably up front the northern hemisphere are shading it but that back line the likes of Ruahe Demont the likes of Ruby Tui Portia Woodman scoring an obscene amount of tries in World Cups what's she on 18 now Uh, I think uh, the the matchup when these teams start to meet is absolutely mouthwatering Hey Nick do you think in that that case you know with it being a World Cup and there will be a little bit of um, caution thrown out there would uh would we match them up front? Would the English have the the play uh, to to match the 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 Kiwis, or do you think it's just based on set play kicking game? 
I think I think the physicality and possibly the fitness of the English is going to be greater than than what, what mm. the Black Ferns have currently. Um, it's just the the nature of the abrasive forwards that England have, and they've got a long line of them, whether they're the ones in the starting fifteen, the twenty three, or or further back, or even those on these shores that, that didn't make the final thirty two. Um, you know, there, there's plenty of talent within that Black Ferns team, and um, I'm not going to be the one to front up to any of them in a coffee shop and tell them they can't take it to the English. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I think I think that'll be a slight area where I think they're not you know as I say where England and France and Canada may feel they've got an edge. But um, I while, while I think all those teams will be very proud of of what they offer defensively, um, I'm not yet convinced by England's backline. They've got a star in Emily Scarrett. Zoe Harrison's been slightly off her game. They've got great wingers who they seem to get the ball to relatively easily. But if there is a decent three quarter line defence there. Uh, then, uh, then I'm not quite sure what England's other options are. They're not content to play off nine, um, so so I think that'll be really interesting when they when they come up against teams and and a team like the Black Ferns, coached by Wayne Smith, that will have all the rugby nous uh, that will really question them. Yes, well, we're just going to touch on Emily Scarrett. Where does she, where does she sit in conversation of all time greats, and how do England unlock her? She's probably the biggest star in the competition when it comes in terms of global superstars, Emily, everyone knows her name. So how do they unlock her and where does she sit in, in terms of, of greats? I hope Ruby Tui is not listening to you say that, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I think, you know, she is right out there. She's a former former World Rugby World Player of the Year. Uh, she scored all of England's points uh, in the game uh, yesterday. Yeah. Um, she's world class, absolutely world class. She's worked on her kicking game. Um, it's uh, it's exemplary most of the time. I think she was getting used to the match ball probably in that first one, but uh, but was more on song uh, <laughs> against the French. Um, and uh, it's it's also the stuff you know. She's not always going to be cutting through the midfield, which she is capable of doing, but actually. Her catch pass and her vision as to what option to take is really what sits her a cut above. Her rugby brain seems to work just one or two phases quicker than everybody else's. And uh, and so her ability to give her wingers the space to create that little ball back inside or if she's going to act like a 12 as much as a 13 and hit the contact and try and get the ball free. I, I think she's she's got an all-court game, and that's why she's she's up there and, and has had such longevity. It's why she was a World Cup winner uh, eight years ago, and, and I know that those Red Roses have got their eye on that trophy once again. Hey, Nick, just tell us a little bit about Simon Middleton. We all know, you know, um, about the Kiwis and the coaching staff, the Henrys and all that that are helping down here, but Simon Middleton's come out of Rugby League um, from Castleford, mm-hmm. He's he's now picked up the World Coach of the Year. Uh, just what what is it so special about Simon that he's that he that brings to this English Rose team? Well, Simon Middleton came into the England setup alongside Gary Street when they uh, when they went to France in 2014 and, and lifted the trophy. And uh, and the sort of previous era to give context to where Simon Middleton is was was very much a period of the game where. There was a lot of arm round the shoulder, almost sort of father figure stuff from coaches to to develop the women and, and make them feel that this was a safe space for them to to learn the game, develop their physicality and, and be able to to play the game at the highest level. But but that was sort of that period. And actually, by the time they lifted that trophy, the game was beginning to change. The commitment from the players, their understanding of what was needed of them was changing. And, and it was a perfect change of the guard, really, for Simon Middleton to take over, because, uh, as he said in a, in a documentary that was that was 
done behind the scenes with the Red Roses just before they they left these shores. He said he coaches the same, whether it's men or women. And ultimately, he's not interested in the fact that the women's game may be younger and that there are there, there may not be as many professional sides. He is going to coach his side as he would any team. And and his standards are high. Um, and uh, and so, yeah, he uses his league background, uh, his relationships with the players. He, he wants to get the best out of them as people, the best out of them as players as well. Um, and uh, and he's brought in former England second row Lewis Deacon as well to help with the forwards. He's got Scott Beeman looking after the backs. But um, but Mids, as he's known, he's uh, he is a good Northern lad who's who's played his rugby league, um, and uh, and he's very proud of where he's taking taking this England team. Just quickly, Neith, uh, Nick, sorry, Neith, Nick Heath, um, mate. Just in terms of pay equity, um, do you do you feel like it's a fair reflection of where the women's game? Is that at the moment and, and women's players are content or have we got a hell of a long way to go? What was that in terms of what they're paid? Yeah, like pay equity and just where they're getting the recognition and sport from their unions, where they're at at the moment. Do you feel like it's a flare reflection of where the game's at globally? globally or do you feel like yeah. we've got a long way to go? I think the uh, part of the issue is, you know, we've still got teams that aren't fully professional. The Italians have joined the party. The Scots are going to be going professional after the Rugby World Cup. Um, but you've got a team like France. They've been offered, you know, greater and more more full-time contracts than they have. But some players have opted to keep them as part-time. They like the fact that they've got something outside of rugby. They've got full-time careers and, and actually they want to go and, and train in the extra hours. So um, so some, some women out there are, are not keen to just snap up full-time professional contracts. I think that we know the women's game is growing. We know that the full commercial value is not quite yet reflecting the growing interest in the game. We had nearly a million people tune in to the coverage of that France-England game here, which is fantastic. Uh, England and, and, and the RFU up here have got a target to uh, to sell the first standalone women's international at Twickenham for England-France to conclude uh, next uh, April's Women's Six Nations uh, with a target to sell out Twickenham when the World Cup is hosted up here in 2025. So the numbers are growing. The, uh, the investment is growing. The commitment from the players, plenty of these squads have been training and acting like professionals for many years. So you want them to be remunerated and, and remunerated fairly. Um, there are all sorts of questions in the men's game up here at the minute with two men's clubs in all sorts of trouble and being uh, being sent yeah. into administration in the men's in Worcester and Wasps. So I think we need to be realistic about how the money gets into the women's game. The RFU, on a club perspective, have a strategy for 10 years, uh, which is to put money into the women's club game to get it professional, but it's only expected to break even after seven years. So everyone's aware of the time it's going to take. They do need to be remunerated, but I think everyone has to understand that progress is good, but doing it at the right pace is really important. Yeah, that's spot on, mate. It's crazy what's going on up there, with, particularly with the Wasps. This club with so much history, I can't believe it's happening, but that's just the the world we're living in at the moment. It's very, very tough out there. Mate, we appreciate you coming on, Nick Heath, ITV Rugby World Cup commentator, talking all things Rugby World Cup. Down under here, we're hoping our Black Ferns can go forward. They've got a long way to go, though. England are looking quality, as always. Thank you so much, Nick. Pleasure. Appreciate it. There's Nick Heath out of the UK and talking about our Black Ferns. The set piece is worrying me, Kempi. I know it'll be worrying you too, mate. Yesterday, they, obviously, when it's unstructured and they're able to play with some freedom, they look classy. I'm still questionable on two things. Set piece, piece is one of them. 
And yesterday, the kicking game, the, the kicking non-existent game. kicking mm. game is crazy. They, can't, they won't be able to run it from their own 22 against an English side that defensively are sound. They're going to have to find something in the next couple of weeks to relieve that pressure to get them out of their uh, attacking zone because you can't, you just can't run it. Yeah, we t- we touched on that too. You know, like yeah, um, the kicking games are really important in women's rugby, and we saw we saw that against England, England's kicking game against France. You know, just kept turning it around, nice big boot, um, and when you're playing at that level. It, it will make a set piece kicking game make a make a big difference, is he? So, yeah, you're dead right. Flair, when you're playing with Flair, as we're seeing with the Kiwis up against Lebanon, everything has to go your way. But errors come into your game, and a team that's so structured, if you if you're handing over ball, you're not getting out a good field position. You're just gonna get you're gonna get buried at that level. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.